Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello guys and welcome back to yet another edition of The Last Word on Spurs. Now just a reminder guys, if you're listening to us on a Tuesday morning, we are of course on Love Sport for you this evening. That's right, we're on Love Sport for you this evening if you're listening to us on a Tuesday. Now we'll be on between the hours of 7pm to 9pm in the UK. And of course, if you would like to get in touch to talk about everything Tottenham Hotspur, you can do that by calling us on 0208. 702558 that's 0208 702558 and of course if you are listening to us from outside of the UK all you simply need to do is add plus 44 in front of that number to give us a call and of course we'd love to be talking all things Tottenham Hotspur with you now in order to listen to the show you can do that by 558am on the radio and of course if you've got a DAB radio all you need to do is search for Love Sport so 558am on the old school radio and just search Love Sport on DAB and finally of course you can listen to tonight's show on the radio on both the Love Sport website and the app enjoy the show and of course as always you can follow us across a range of different social media platforms including Twitter at Last Word on Spurs of course Facebook and of course Instagram Enjoy the show. So, kicking us off on the show, let me introduce the guest, talking us through the next hour of all things Spurs. 
Tonight to have this man back alongside me. Of course, I've got John Mann. He's a regular to the show. John, how are you? I'm very well, mate. Looking forward to talking about such a riveting game on, that we uh, all witnessed on Saturday. Oh, John, a dire win, wasn't it? A dire win, dire performance. <laughs> Anna from Spurs, XY. Anna, how are you? I am very well, thank you. How are you, Ricky? Not bad, not bad at all. Great to have you back on the show, Anna. It's been a while, hasn't it? It has been. It's been too long. Longer than I would have liked it to be. Oh, but I'm glad to be back. Oh, we're glad to have you, Anna. And finally, last but not least, I think this guy, he stole Twitter over the weekend. We've got the brilliant Ashley Watts. Ash, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks, mate. No problem at all. Ash, have you collected your award yet for the best tweet of the week? Uh, not yet, mate. I'm, I'm, I'm just still uh, laughing at the fact that the last time I was on this show, um, we, we had a transfer discussion, and we all know how that <laughs> went. Cheers, Ash, for reminding us. I thought we were going to get away from that. <laughs> thanks, thanks for bringing that up. Ash, shall I tell you what? Should we start with your tweet from the weekend? Have you got it there, Ash? And you kicked off Twitter after the game. I think we've got to start with your tweet because I think part of it was absolutely spot on. Do you have it there at all, Ash, to hand? Uh, yeah, I should do. Okay. Um, so I basically said that although we've got uh, no striker, pretty much, 10,000 injuries, no stadium... Um, we didn't sign anyone. We got a drunk goalkeeper. Um, we're still, well, we were one point off top. Now we're two points off top. But we're essentially one win away from being on top of the table. And I mean, I, I see everyone being so downbeat on Twitter and raging about beating Cardiff for only 1 0. But if, if you look back like five years ago, those were the games we, we'd lose like 1 0 at home to Wigan or 1 0 to Blackpool. And it's just like, we don't do that anymore. We, mm. we do slip up. We slip up when you can kind of expect it. There's not many unexpected results. So for me, the, w the win's the most important thing at the end of the day. Yeah, I'll, I'm always agreeing with you, Ash. I have to say, for me, it's points over performance. I'm not sure where to be on this show because some want me to be, uh, I suppose, frustrated because we haven't stuck one or more goals past Cardiff. But at the same time, you know, I look at it and think, you know, we're about four key players. I mean, John, let me bring it back round to you here because, like Ash says there, I mean, Spurs, two points off top. They've won their last three Premier League matches in a row with a squad decimated by injuries. I mean, this team was, you know, written off as a crisis, John, a couple of weeks ago. But we've now got our best ever Premier League points return after eight games, John. It's bizarre, isn't it? It is, yeah. It is. I'll tell you what feels the most strange thing about it to me. is one of them where every time we do something that's extra special, everyone else seems to pull their socks up as well. Like We, we get record points totals and don't win the league and stuff like that. And now we've got our best return after eight games and we're fifth. It's not like if we were if we were second, I don't I think that would massively cushion the blow, even though there's still 30 games to go and, and nothing's decided yet. But the thing is, it's, mate, you know, you know what I'm like. It's all about perspective, and I think it's it's very um, it's very apt that this this very weekend, ten years ago, was two points from eight games. That's it. Yeah, mm. it's the old Harry Redknapp line, isn't it? The old two points look, from eight games. Well, the thing is, if you look back, all right. So we'd won the League Cup a few months before, but then we sold our two best strikers in Keenan Berbatov, replaced them with uh, Roman Pavlichenko, who weren't too bad, was he? And Fraser Campbell. We, uh, I remember. I remember. Um, I remember receiving invitations via Facebook to our relegation party from uh, from, from, a, from a couple of West Ham fans who, who I'm good mates with. And by the way, we ended up eighth that season, and they ended up ninth. Which there was lovely. you go. So I think that I think. Do you know what? It, do you know what it is? I think the one thing that the one major difference back then 
and compared to now, and it sounds stupid because we were two points from eight games and we were terrible. But I think when you are terrible, it makes you even more staunch in your support. Mm. And what happened then, we still had White Hart Lane, we still had all our creature comforts and all that kind of thing. And it's a little bit like there weren't anything. We, we were just shit, and, but we was all right <laughs> with that. Do you see what I mean? Because you can rectify that by performances on the pitch. And obviously, ultimately, in the end, we did so. But I think at the minute, there's still so much up in the air, which, as as has just been said, it doesn't help. But no. you know, once these things get sorted out, I think it's going to... Say we were in our stadium already, it would mm. make the whole situation feel so much more enjoyable. Even even if it didn't... Even if you took a point off of us, of course. we'd be going, oh, we're in our brand new home, running three points off the top. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. And going into the weekend, especially like after the eight minutes and you one nil up, you're thinking, right, we're going to teach these a lesson here today. And then we don't. And then the following day, uh, the scum go down to Fulham, put five past them, and they end up in front of us in the league table on goal scored. And that's another bit of a, not maybe a bit of pills to swallow, but that's just another annoyance. And you look at it and you go, you've got to, main, you've got to maintain perspective. We haven't, we haven't played one really, really good 90 minutes yet. And we are two points off the top after eight games. You wouldn't, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't have predicted it. Uh, kick off at Newcastle on the first game of the season I wouldn't have predicted this I don't think anyone would would they no you wouldn't you wouldn't have done and uh, like John says there I mean I think it's the key fact at the moment that we aren't in that new stadium which is obviously having um, a negative effect on some of the fan base and it's hard for me because I was sitting there thinking over the weekend that should I be having you know should I be having a breakdown at the fact you know we haven't you know made what you'd maybe consider a more complete or fluid performance against Cardiff but you know we are missing you know, four players who are the core of this team in Vertonghen, Eriksen, Deli Alli and Dembele. Yet, as I've mentioned, we, you know, we've still made our best ever start to a Premier League season. And therefore, and I do find it very hard just to, to batter these players. I fully agree with that. I think, as you said, we're missing four plus some other players as well. And we're pretty much playing away from home all the time. We had, what, six games where we're all in different stadiums. So... I, yeah, our performance is obviously going to be a bit all over the place and it's hard with the squad as it is. But league-wise, I think, yeah, it's impressive where we are. And, you know, after Barcelona, I think whatever we would have done at Cardiff, maybe if we would have won 6-0, it's a different matter. But I still, you know, without Ericsson, we've always struggled to create. I went to Southampton away last year and that was dreadful without Ericsson. So... It's always going to be hard. And seeing actually, speaking of that, I think Kane has been dropping a bit deeper, trying to be more of a number 10 and trying to um, create chances because it, it has been hard for us. It's just a case of actually taking him this time round. But performance-wise, I don't want to peak too soon because if we do, then, then what are we going to do after that? We've never peaked soon. At least we started the season well and we can build it up from here. It's true. It's so true. And I think you mentioned there, bring it around to you, Ash. You know, Anna says there, you know, Kane is playing for, you know, deeper um, with more in more of an advanced role. And therefore, obviously, that's why maybe we're not seeing, you know, but I'm saying it's not seeing the amount of goals from Kane. He's still scoring goals. Didn't score the weekend, of course. But Ash, can you understand some of the pessimism amongst the fan base at the moment, considering where we are sitting at the moment? I don't think, obviously, the Arsenal result helped over the weekend because they've got above us and goal difference. Can you understand, Ash, the frustration amongst fans at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm kind of one of those fans who wants to see the attractive football. Like, I, I generally don't think we've played uh, well this season, apart from the second half against United away from home. And moving back to last season, there was we there was times where we we played exceptional, 
But the season before that, we were at White Hart Lane. That's that was the season where we were blowing teams away. And I think everybody um, kind of looks back to that and thinks, "Oh, why aren't we blowing teams four and five? Um, and I sort of feel like one of the reasons is we're not actually at our home. If if we if we played last season and this season at White Hart Lane, I'm sure we would see like the pressing, we'd see the fast flowing football, and we we would have beaten Cardiff by more than one goal. Uh, on Saturday it's the fact that we're at Wembley it's not actually our home the players know it the fans know it I guess the the atmosphere isn't as good as if it was at White Hart Lane and that can translate onto the players so um, at the end of the day like it the most important thing is the result but the the Tottenham way as people like to say, is the fast, attractive football. And I guess that's why people are a bit disappointed because we haven't really seen it this, this year. True, isn't it? I mean, don't think there's any getting away from it. And we mentioned there, you mentioned the stadium. Obviously, no summer signs, actually, like you touched upon from the start. We've got players out of form, four key players injured, like we said, Vertonghen, Eriksen, Deli Ali, Dembele. I mean, Aurea is also injured at the moment. Danny Rose didn't play against Barcelona, which obviously was surprising. Um, yeah, as we mentioned, you know, one point off top, best Premier League points return. We've played the most Premier League games away, even if you include Wembley in that. And, you know, for me, John, we've not even hit top gear yet, have we, this Tottenham side? We, I mean, we haven't hit any gear yet, John, have we? <laughs> <laughs> I think we was in reverse after the eighth minute on Saturday, <laughs> to be fair. I think the oh, thing is, dear. it's like... It's, it, no, you're right. You are right. We, we haven't really had um, We haven't had a really, really good game yet. And I think, like Ash just said, obviously that spell at Old Trafford was decent. And the, the last uh, 20 minutes against Fulham at Wembley was half decent as well. But, yeah, I think this is why it was a little bit frustrating on, on Saturday. Because we, we've seen this before from Tottenham over the years where... We'll have this, you know, we're, we're not blowing teams away. And then you just get a feeling, like, travelling up there Saturday, I was thinking we're really going to, you know, like I said, we're really going to give these a, a hiding today. And it, it, you score early and you think, right, floodgates are opening now. But it didn't happen. And I think the frustration is that you don't turn a 1-0 into, like, 3, 4 and 5 just because, just just because, just to show that you can. Do you know what I mean? Because course, yeah. every other team that's competing for the same positions in the league that we are probably would have done so. But then, when you consider the fact that you know, as you just said, that list of injuries is, um, you know, is, is worrying, especially coming into an, a fucking another international break. Like we need one of them. I feel like they're coming, you know, almost kind of John so often now, don't they? Well, I tell you, I tell you what worries me as well. We we can even get players who haven't been called up for a while. Well, like Mora, like, yeah, mm. Winks and Mora, yeah, and you think, oh, leave it out, come on. But <laughs> the, I think, like, like I say, like, and like we've seen before as well, like. As as we're approaching Christmas, we do tend to start to turn it on when there's when the games are coming thick and fast. And Jesus, after we play West Ham in in the league in a couple of weeks, oh, they they do on, come. On. Thick we've and got fast we have got that. them, haven't we? We've got a ridiculous amount of games to come. Yeah, it's we... just a it's it's a little bit annoying because then because you know what's going to happen. We've got Man City on a Monday, and then forty eight hours later, mm. you know we're going to that's going to be nowhere near a full strength eleven in the League Cup, and then another another competition goes that we could potentially win and. All the tired cliches about. Oh, you're not writing it off, John, already. Yeah. Are you? you're not against them lot. No, 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 no. I'll make you right. But what I'm saying is, it's, it's going to be, you know, Tough, it's it? going to be Lorenzo and all the rest of them guys mm. who are going to be given a chance against West Ham. I can't see that. You can't have players like Kane and all the rest of them, depending on who else is back. Of course, you could, they can't be playing 48 hours later in a, which is going to be a, a supercharged London derby away from home. It's just not going to happen because we've got an important game on the weekend after against Wolves. And then it's PSV Eindhoven, isn't it? Away. Yeah, that's right. A few days after that. And 
you have got you've got to be sensible about these things. It's got to be all, all about priority. And let's be honest, the League Cup just ain't ever going to be our priority, even though we'd all love to win it. Mm. It's just not going to be. But, you know, this is where the manager earns his salt and we'll see. We'll see. It'd be, it'd be a nice surprise if we do manage to come out the other end of it and we're still in, in the draw. But, I'd, you know, you, you've got to be sensible about these things. And like I say, maybe this run of games... I said last week, didn't I? If I was a player, I'd rather be playing games of and training. Yeah. So maybe, you know, maybe it could be the catalyst for us to start pushing on this busy October. Yeah, well, we're going to bring it on now to actually discuss the game. But firstly, you know, Spurs, as we've mentioned, have equaled their best Premier League points tally after eight matches of 18 points. We're unbeaten in our last 38 Premier League games against promoted sides, winning 35 and drawing three. So this Tottenham side against promoted teams, you know, we don't tend to lose games, which is a, a big thing for Tottenham. You know, I'd say in the past, Spurs, are these are the kinds of games, like I think Ash said, we would normally slip up on. And also, we've scored at least once in each of our past 19 Premier League home games Yes, home games, Wembley, whatever you want to call it. The longest current run in the competition. So let's discuss then the game at the weekend. Actually, let's bring it to the starting lineup, Anna. I'm going to come round to you because Danny Rose returned to Spurs' starting lineup. Well, Eric Lamilla's outstanding performance versus Barcelona only saw him rewarded with a place on the Tottenham bench. Spurs' academy lads in Carl Walker Peters and Oliver Skip were among the options from the bench. Just to have that first chance on Lamilla to say, and before we bring it round to you, Pochettino did say in his pre-match press comments before the game that he would have to manage Lamella's minutes. Therefore, it may not have been as a surprise for some that Lamella was on the bench to start the game. Was the Soko obviously starting in the midfield? What did you make of the selection, Anna? Yeah, uh, with Lamella, I thought obviously he couldn't finish the Barca game. He looked amazing against Barca, mm, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, he might have even had a slight injury for all we know. So um, it was obviously disappointing that he didn't start, but not that surprising. Um, bringing on Sissoko, yeah, I mean, look, I know he's not a crowd favourite, but realistically he was out there to do a job and it was a physical game and one thing's for sure, he's a physical guy and I think he did a decent job. And, um, and yeah, I think... You mentioned Walker Peters. I personally wouldn't have minded seeing him because I think Trippier has been a massive liability. Uh, Liverpool exploited him a couple of weeks ago. Obviously, Messi did Messi on Wednesday. <laughs> and uh, and the way Trippier just stays up and just... And when we play three at the back, that's fine because our fullbacks can push up. But with the tongue out, we don't really do three at the back because with Sanchez and Dyer, I think it's just a bit too much. So Trippier still pushes up forward and then he doesn't have the pace to run back. So it's a bit interesting. But anyway, he started, obviously, because Zora um, is out and uh, it would have been maybe a bit too much for um, Walker Peters to come in. But Rose was back, who, who put in a decent performance. I think he played well. Uh, pity he had to come off. But, uh, but yeah, that was fine. Other than that, I think the team pretty much picks itself, or at least the squad does because of all the injuries. So um, lineup wise yeah, it was quite fine. Interesting. Let's bring it round to you, Ash. What did you make of that team section when you saw it? Were you surprised by Lamella's absence, even though we mentioned, I see absence, he was on the bench, but as we know, you know, against Barcelona, he did run himself into the ground, was, I think, obviously was off, I think, due to cramp more than anything else. And as we've said, Pochettino did say in his pre-match presser, we have to manage his minutes. Therefore, was it as much as a surprise he wasn't in that starting lineup for you, Ash? Uh, not really a surprise, to be honest. Um, like you said, he, he ran his, himself into the ground against Barca. And um, he, I mean, he, he's been back for a while, but he was out for such a long time that 
you, with these sort of players, if 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 you know that they could potentially be at risk to fatigue and just just burning themselves out, basically, then there's no point risking them, especially at home to Cardiff. I mean, I guess Pochettino looked at him and thought, well, this is probably a good game I can rest him for because we should be winning. And also, it gives me an opportunity to play some of the squ- squad players, I guess, like Sissoko. Um, and looking at the team, it it should have been enough and it was enough to beat Cardiff, the starting eleven. Um, I feel like any, any eleven we put out in theory, should beat Cardiff. I mean, even if if Lorento was playing up front, I'd still be confident <laughs> we'd win. Um, so, yeah, no no problems with the selection. Um, I, like you mentioned earlier, though, I think the international breaks come at a good time for us. We're not playing particularly well. It gives, well, four of our key players a chance to get back fit. It gives, well, I was hoping that Harry Kane would get a rest, but he's obviously going to play 90 minutes in both games, so that's not going to happen. But it does it does give us a chance to you know try and recruit re- regroup sorry and um, go again because yeah we're getting the results but we're not playing particularly well that break is what we need and then we can move forward from there. Mm, spot on. Let me bring it around to you, John. This is a question here from Chris Bolton at Chris Bolton Ten. As always, guys, we'll try and throw your questions throughout the night. He says, John, why do you think Lemonette is not starting in Premier League games? The decision is costing me fantasy points, John. <laughs> I think, well, you know, Lamella left the pitch with cramp, didn't he, against Barcelona? And it was always one of them where, do you risk putting him in from the start or does he start on the bench? And I think, you know, I know we've said it many times before, if a player's fit enough to start on the bench, then perhaps he should start. But I think if you've got um, an, a more than able able deputy in uh, the 50-odd capped Frenchman who, who wears number 17 to come in, then why not bring him in? Let, let Lamella start on the bench if he if he... As another, uh, say he breaks down again and he ends up being out for three or four weeks. As we said, and as uh, I said last week, all these muscular injuries are becoming a bit of a problem and it mm. does show that there's massive fatigue. And I think that, you know, we, it's, we're struggling to cope with four or five injuries. And if, if that list grows any more, then we really are stuffed, I think. And I think it's just one of them where the manager's being sensible about his selection and saying, you come off with cramp three days ago, you're going to start on the bench. And I don't think Lamella probably would have had a problem with it. He did look. He looked fairly lively when he come on, but you know it's, you've got to manage the squad. You've got to give these players minutes, and uh, Lamella will get many, many more chances this season, especially if he continues in the vein of form that he's been in recently. Got no doubt about it. Was it unfair, John, that even some supporters out there said they would rather see Oliver Skip feature in midfield rather than Sissoko? <sighs> I think it's a little. It's a little bit like. Listen, I know everyone's got their own feelings towards certain players, and and players. We'll, we'll always, you know, us as fans, listen, we've been treated to some some classy players down, down the years uh, watching them playing for Tottenham. And Musa Sissoko is never going to make anyone's all-time dream 11. <laughs> I accept that. I've got no problem with that. But, he, he, listen, they, they call him the Swiss Army Knife in France because, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. It's an interesting but, one. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's a jack of all trades. He can do a little bit of anything. You can put mm. him in the middle and he can get, you know, like, like um, Anna said, he's a big fellow. He can get physical and get about the pitch. And I think it was a little bit another reason why he might have been picked in front of Lamella was just because you know that they're gonna they got a throw in in the first half at Cardiff and they brought everybody forward for it. And you think right, well that's you know if that's how that's how you're going to try and get your goals. And it may be a good idea to have a big lump like Sissoko in there somewhere. But listen, players will always be decisive, uh, divisive rather amongst fan bases. It, it's always been the way. And for some strange reason, we always 
seem to need a scapegoat. And um, unfortunately, because Nkudu and Lorente have been kept out of the firing line, I think it's <laughs> firmly upon Moose's broad shoulders to take the brunt of it at the minute. But listen, he played all right on Saturday. I, I, I'm not saying he was the best player on the pitch, but mm. he certainly weren't the worst. And he put in a shift. And he, he worked hard for the team. And that's all you can ask for, uh, of the players. You know, it was... Uh, the pitch didn't look great. It was pissing hard. There was, there was hardly any... I think there was only me and Anna in the crowd, actually. On Saturday. <laughs> uh, it, oh, it sounds John. about right. It, 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 it's not, it's not going to be the kind of game that's going to... Oh, like, if, if you've come off the back of playing Barcelona, you've got to understand the, the human element to what these players are feeling. So they played Barcelona in the Champions League. You are buzzing. Saturday, pissing hard around Cardiff City, fucking Neil Warnock on the touchline. I'm not saying the players didn't fancy it, but I can understand why there's going to be a certain drop-off in terms of intensity and tempo. We've got to accept that, I'm afraid. It's part of it, but we've got the three points. And I'll, Same I'll goes with the fans, to be honest, as well. Absolutely. I'll, listen, I, I could barely talk still. Saturday. <laughs> From Wednesday, my, my throat was still knackered. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that one. Definitely. Oh dear. Um, let me bring it back round to you, Ash. Just coming round to you. Just as I spoke about the selection now, let's move it on to the goal itself. So we took the lead as Trippier and Mora linked up and played a 1 2 as Sanchez's header hit the defender and Dyer was the man in the right place to tuck the ball in from what literally a yard out. What did you make of the goal, Ash, at the time? Um, well, we, we never really score from uh, set pieces these days, so I guess. I guess that was that was good, but um, yeah, simple really. It was a bit of a scrappy goal, wasn't it? He's managed to finish it from six yards out. Um, not really renowned for his finishing, but yeah, <laughs> is what it is. <laughs> scrappy goal to beat Cardiff. Can't complain, I guess. Mm. Let me ask you, Ash, just on Eric Dyer. For me, I was so pleased that he was the match winner because there's no argument, I don't think Ash among Spurs fans at the moment, that he has been on this awful run of form recently. However, for me, you know, they say about Dyer that I love his versatility. Um, I love his character that he provides to this Tottenham Hotspur squad. You know, many times he's defended Ali in certain situations and signed himself to be almost like his bigger brother, if you like. And I still think at times his skill is still criminally underrated. Although he's one player that I think in general could Spurs in the summer have maybe looked to upgrade upon, which I still think could be the case. But I do think there is parts to Dyer's game which I still love him. And therefore, I'm always, he's one of those players for me that. I'm so kind of oh, sentimental about him. Could we upgrade on him? Would I want to keep him? Just where are you on him for you, Ash? Was he still an integral player to this squad for Tottenham? Yeah, he he definitely is. Um, he epitomises what the fans want. On the pitch, he gives everything. Um, he's, a, he's, he's one of the few leaders that we do have. Like You see that game against uh, Chelsea a few... A few oh, yeah, um, of course. Oh, we loved him for that game, didn't we? Yeah, exactly. Like... He he actually he does care, and um, he's the sort of person who, after after um, a bad result, I can imagine he he would be a bit bit in a sulk and a bit bit unhappy for at home. Whereas I know a lot of players, which yeah, they 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 can show it. Oh, we're a bit disappointed, say it in the interview afterwards, but they, they don't really care. Like they get paid at the end of the mm. day. They're like, we we came in, we lost, we gave everything. But Eric Dyer is one of those players who who. You can you can just tell that um, he's emotionally involved in what he does. Like yep. he just care, and that you need them sort of players. Like yeah, we we could replace him with um, someone who might be technically better or someone who can pass forward a bit better. But then you might lose the leadership, and and we don't have that many leaders in our team. So 
I feel like he's he's someone we need and someone we need to keep, especially at least keep him around the squad. If we do look to replace him, he's such a, it would be such a great player to bring off the bench. OK, fair enough. Anna, let's get your take on Eric Dyer, because again, this is a guy that does split opinion amongst Spurs Twitter, as we know, and even all social media channels. Who doesn't? Well, that's true. Who doesn't? That's very true. <laughs> Especially on the back of only beating Cardiff 1-0. But Eric Dyer, for you, is he a planner that you'd still love to keep in his Spurs squad if there was an option to maybe, again, look to upgrade uh, you know, players out there like Undombele, a player that you know we were looking for in the summer? Would he be one, Anna, you'd look to, to move on, Eric Dyer, for you? I... Don't think I would want him to leave. Uh, I would chime in with what Ashley said that he is definitely someone who puts his heart into this game um, and always plays for us. However, his performance lately, as you pointed out, wasn't the. If we could get someone technically better, then yeah, he'd be a great person off the bench. But I think I've always I've always admired that. I think he's got great versatility. He really likes a defensive midfield role. And uh, and obviously lots of people don't agree with that. But I think it's good. And the option that he can also be a centre-back is so vital. So the fact that we can, he's almost like a two-in-one sort of thing is brilliant. Um, and that can be very crucial mid-game, for all we know. And, uh, and, you know, as Ash pointed out, the leadership, that mm. that is something you can't knock. And he is a true leader. He's very fierce. In fact, the, when the squad came out, I looked at all the pictures they put up and Ty was the only one who looked genuinely pissed. And I literally <laughs> was like, whoa, I, if you came across me in a dark alley, I would just stay the hell away from you. So um, <laughs> I actually sent it to my friends like, look at Dyer's face. But no, that's beside the point. The point is that, yeah, I think he's a good player. Um, I would want him to stay around and I've always I've always um, supported him. So, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, I never understood people who don't support the players, but mm. I guess that's just people nowadays so yeah no, so I rate him he's giving you the frighteners Anna uh, a little bit <laughs> a little bit okay let's bring John in because John I think last week we discussed Eric Dyer and we, I think we did come to some kind of agreement here that if there was an option to maybe you know previously upgrade on him Eric Dyer then we maybe would look to John on the back of his performance at the weekend anything changed in your mind again for you is it still the same situation on Dyer yeah, I think it's it's not one of them things where you can really change your mind definitively. Game no, of course not. No, I think all I would say is, you know, if we're if we're noticing that he's not been at his uh, influential best, and I'm sure he realises that himself. But let's just hope he's a four-yard screamer on Saturday and winning goals. You know, <laughs> fills him full of confidence, and hopefully he comes back from England duty unscathed. And the thing is, he is like he is a top player. He is a good player. Like he come from nowhere, didn't he? None of us had ever heard well, exactly. Of him. Yeah. Like four million quid or whatever it was, and within a couple of three years, he's an established England international. We, he's played a lot of games for us, and this is his, we're into his fifth season now. Mm-hmm. You know, he's all right. He's only twenty four, but he's an experienced player within that squad. He, he's played a lot of games, and he, he, he that experience. I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure I'd put him in a leader category, to be honest. But there are times where this season we could have done with him being on the pitch, and maybe he could have shown that a little more. Like Watford away, for example, yeah, he was the perfect one to come on. Yeah, and. He might have made a difference, you know what I mean. But listen, I think I think there's a place for him in the squad. Absolutely, they, you know, he's only well partly because it cost a, a fortune really to replace him. If you did try and bring in a player who's who can do what he does, but whether we, you know, whether he be, stays an established first eleven player beyond this season, I think time will tell. But. Like I said, I said last week, didn't I? That I think maybe he, like maybe him, and a couple of positions at fullback we could upgrade on. And nothing's going to change my mind until 
Well, I don't, I don't know if he can do any more, to be honest, to, mm. to convince me. But then I ain't the problem, am I? It's the, it's the, like I said, the answer Argentinian who makes the decisions, and it's up to him. And the thing is, we're playing in so many competitions, Rick. Mm, yeah. In, like these high, high pressing, high intensity games. You can see that the players, like, they were running out of puff. They're dropping like flies, John, at the moment. We don't think we can afford any more injuries, can we? I mean, we've seen, like I said, I think you mentioned on this show, we've seen Mora called up to now to his national squad. Harry Winks called up. And whilst we're so pleased for these players, I can't help but be terrified, John, if we're going to get them back or if we're going to see them again. Well, the thing, that's the thing. I think, to be honest, I think the only player who was still probably full of beans at, at full time was probably Harry Winks. And that's probably something to do with the fact that he's not played much recently. Mm. Yeah. And I think, especially in the second half, again, the same as. Um, same as against Barcelona, he, he he really grew into the game, and he was still, you know, he was driving us forward in the second half. He was really, well, he I, I'll put it this way: he's, he was uh, in the second half, especially he was busier than a cucumber in a woman's prison, <laughs> and he he was really trying to, you know, trying oh, to force the issue. And like, like I say, he, all right, he's only twenty-two, so that helps, of course. <laughs> but the fact that he ain't played much football, sorry, Rick. That's the Shuban that one, isn't it? That's the, the bloody Shuban that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back on the cucumbers, mate. He's back on the cucumbers. Yeah. No, listen, I think that the fact that he ain't played much football recently maybe tells the tale, do you know what I mean? Because mm. he's still f- full of energy going into the last few minutes of the game and I think there were too many probably that were running on empty. But, listen, like I said, we'll see. When we come back from this international break, hopefully we'll have a, at least two of the four players coming back in available straight away for West Ham and they'll make a massive difference because... You know, like I say, we are lagging a little bit. Although we're having our best start in the Premier League era that we've ever had, we are lagging a little bit, and uh, we owe someone a good spanking. And I hope, I hope it's West Ham as it weren't Cardiff. Oh, I agree with you on that, John. I have to remind listeners: this is not something you want to, want to be reminded about. That I had to point this out. If Tottenham didn't blow that final twenty minutes against Watford away, John, and you know you brought it up to Dyer, we'd be top right now. It's, it's incredible, isn't it? This Premier League season. If you think Tottenham could be sitting top. On the back of, as we've said, haven't played too well. You'd probably argue, as Ash said at the beginning of the show, just probably that Man United performance in the second half. You know, we was incredible. But apart from that, this Spurs side really haven't hit top gear or any gear yet. So, be interested to see how we do pan out after the international break. Ash, I'm going to come round to you next. And I hate to say, this feels like I'm talking about a weekly segment. We need to talk about Hugo, Ash. Because at the weekend, again, another situation, Ash, we saw in the first half. That after Spurs took the lead... He came charging out of his goal, seemed to completely misjudge the situation with the forward. And Toby Adeverald, for the second game in a row, Ash, kind of bowed him out of any form of embarrassment. What did you make of that particular part in the game, Ash? Yeah, um, he's not really inspiring confidence in me right now. <laughs> um, I, don't, I, I don't think anyone's particularly happy with the goalkeeping situation. Um, I don't know what's happened with him. I th- I'm not sure if um, the whole drink driving things actually affected him, or if he's just having a having a bit of a moment. Like he he hasn't done that charging out for a good couple of years now. Like he, when when he first came, I thought, oh, this this guy could be a bit rash, but then he he calmed down. He that's right, yeah. Looked composed. Like the only problems I had the last couple of seasons were um, his distribution, but I thought, you know what, his actual goalkeeping and shot stoppings fine but then all of a sudden this the Barcelona game and then this game it's just it make, I don't know what's happened with him I, th- I think the the drinking and the whole thing about that has, has affected him I think maybe, maybe it would would 
be good for him to be dropped for for a game or so. Put Gazaniga in. He didn't put a foot wrong when he was in. Mm. Um, and just just say to him, look, you need to you need to concentrate. You need to rediscover your form. Otherwise, you're not going to be in the team. I know he's the captain and all, but one of, <laughs> one of these games, he's, if he does that against uh, City in the final minute when when we're one 0 up, we're not going to be happy, are we? No, so it's going to cost us, isn't it? Cost us dearly. And against a better side, it, it might have done. But Toby Adderfield again. Proving, you know, to at times Toby, as we've seen this season, he's saved us twice now in a couple of games in those particular situations. Anna, let me bring it back round to you. Is there an argument that we've rushed Larice back? Do you think, Anna? Maybe. Um, yeah, maybe the drunk driving thing affected him because it just seems so out of character. God knows what must have gone on. I'm just thinking that in the end of the day, all players are human. So who knows what's going on at home? I keep, I keep saying to my dad about. Harry's obviously got two kids at home and Ericsson's got a kid at home as well. So um, Harry, obviously, he scored in August, but then he was a bit slow at the beginning of September. But now he's he's looking sharp again. And Ericsson, before he was out injured, he had a few interesting performances. But then again, the whole squad did. So I I just keep thinking that maybe the same thing with Hugo. Who knows? Maybe he's he's got something going on. He's, I don't know. In a modern day, he's, he's got, he recently had a, he recently started his Instagram. I mean, this is going to be a ridiculous argument because why would social media make a big difference? But Uh you know, he didn't have it before. Why did he suddenly choose now? I mean, you know that some players don't, for example, Danny doesn't have one, but, but you know, and who knows what else is going on in his personal life that could be affecting it. I mean, I know that, on a day that I'm feeling super happy about myself, or if I got a good night's sleep, then I go into work and I'm so much more happier. Mm. On a day I don't don't get good sleep or something else pisses me off, like the result, then I'm a <laughs> bit grumpier the next day. And, and I might not be the best person to talk to in the office. But, you know, that could be explained for maybe one day off. But mm. it, it has become... It's, I don't want it to become a trend. I really don't because... No. He's such a great showstopper. Yep, his distribution is crap. <laughs> I think we can all agree on that. Mm. But but overall, he is a, he's a great goalkeeper. But I agree. I mean, based on performance, dropping him might not be the worst thing. Mm. Let me bring it back around to you, John, because I know you always give an honest opinion on Spurs players. Dylan, Dylan Lingham asked the question here. This is Dylan underscore Lingham. Dylan, thanks for your question. He says, Hugo Lloris has been a great keeper for us, but his mistakes are becoming more frequent and costly. How many more mistakes can he afford to make before his position does come under threat? And should we consider bringing in Gazaniga earlier back than expected? Now, see, that's what Ash mentioned as well. John, where do you stand on Hugo Lloris? I think the thing is, I would say that he's been out for a while. He obviously had that, you know, regrettable incident with the drink driving. And I think that he's come back into, obviously, a massively highly charged game against Barcelona. And within 90 seconds... He's made a mistake, which has led to a goal, which obviously doesn't help. Now, I know that. I know then that suggests that maybe we should have stuck with a goalkeeper that had been performing well in the previous games in Gazaniga. But Lloris is the captain. He's just won the World Cup. He's one of the best keepers on the planet for me still. And I think the thing is with him now, he's come back. He's had two games. All right, clean sheet. You've got to remember that. Clean. Let's not slaughter the geezer. He had. A, he got a clean sheet on Saturday. He's going to go away with France now. Hopefully, he'll get a couple more games under his belt and play himself into some kind of form. And I don't think it's fair to really judge him yet because, you know, coming in from the cold after what happened and only playing two games, one of them against one of the best sides the world's ever seen, I think is a little bit... Is this our fault then, John? Is this our fault for rushing him back, do you think? Should we have managed him better? I, no, I don't think you can say that. I, I mean, the manager obviously 
you know, he, he must have been felt he was ready to to come back in and play because obviously he played him. You know, we know that Pochettino doesn't gamble with players, especially with their fitness. If a player is not ready, then they won't come in. But I just think it's more of more of a a mental adjustment now that Lloris is, is having to make because also let's not forget that since the days of where Brad Friedel was obviously a very able deputy and, and a legendary goalkeeper. It's probably the first time in Hugo Lloris's Tottenham career where another keeper has come in that's true. and played well enough mm, for yeah. people to be asking the question. Yeah, now true. that's obviously really, really good news for the club because it means we've got a good squad and the the squad players are doing their job when they're called upon. But maybe it's just a little bit, you know, maybe he's feeling a little bit vulnerable, a little bit threatened at the minute. That's personally how I see it. He's going to be 32 um, in December, and you think. You know, he's still in his prime. I'm not saying he's anywhere near past it, but I think maybe that's the first time where he's had any kind of serious question marks and competition for for a long time. I mean, I'm I'm listen. I I'd, I'd give him a lifetime contract just because I think he's <laughs> handsome. I love the geezer, but <laughs> which one, do? Hugo or, or Gazaniga? Uh Paolo's a little bit tall for me. I'm really tough, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> No, listen. I think if if Hugo has a couple of good games for the French team now, mm. and he and he comes back in, obviously West Ham is a big one again to come back into, you know, especially away. It wouldn't surprise me if he puts in a worldly of a performance at, at at the the council tip, and we end up winning that game. And every, and then and then all these questions they stop. Like I say, a bit of a victim of circumstance at, at the minute, and uh, I've got no doubt that he's still our number one and will be for some time to come. Can't ask you, John, before I move it on to Ash, talk about Toby quickly. You mentioned there, obviously, about the fact Loris might be feeling vulnerable about competition, but yet we've seen, John, with Lamella, that he's almost thrived off the competition of Sonny and Mora, and he knows that he's got to play really well to keep his place in the team. Are you surprised, therefore, then, John? Well, as you said, Gazaniga played three decent games. You know, many would argue, how oh, could you take him out of the team? Although some would say, listen, as you mentioned, Tottenham Hotspur captain, French captain, you know, French number one. Are you surprised, John, that his focus isn't there? Is it more going on than we know about with Larice? Do you fear? I'm not too sure. I think the only thing, the only thing is, I do think it's a very unique situation. In, in as much as like you can use Lamella as an example, but he's never held down a position for for any length of time in in five years. He's used to that competition. He's used to his place being under threat. And I think the thing with Lamella, quite possibly. You know, Anna mentioned a little a little while ago about you know these players becoming parents and moving on in life, and I think the fact that Eric Lamella has got a a young baby and he spent more than twelve months out injured, I think maybe he's just at that point now in his life where he's twenty six and he goes, if I'm going to make anything of myself, I need to start now, and he's putting pressure on himself to or maybe not even pressure, maybe it's just the freedom of being actually able to walk or to run and be able to play football <clears throat> after having all the the hip problems that he had. Maybe it's like a Freedom from injuries giving him a new lease of life, whereas with Larice, obviously it's a different situation. But I would, I would say, we'll judge each individual case as is. You know, I don't think there's anything more to read into it really with Larice. Like I say, let's let's judge him on his his last performance. It wasn't the best, but he got a clean sheet, and uh, he, he's like I say, he's, he's definitely our established number one still for for the for the foreseeable future. And pro- it probably won't. Even, it'll probably be what, two, three years, and then we're going to have to think about bringing in a, a number one who's kind of on his level if yeah. we're going to maintain the level that we want to be at as a club. So I don't think Gazaniga will ever be our number one, to be honest with you, but time will tell. There you go, time will tell. Well, let's move it on. Let's discuss then Toby for the moment because 
Last couple of games. All right, Barcelona, again, there was times where position-wise he was at fault. But again, he showed in that game, Ash, coming around to you. You know, it saved us in such a critical situation there, Willerice. Should Spurs, in your opinion, Ash, still be doing everything in our power to keep the Belgian centre-back at the club? Yeah, definitely. Um, he's in the top, what, three centre-backs in the league? I'd say Toby, um, Batongen and uh, Van Dijk are the, the three best centre-backs. They're, mm. they're on their day. Um, they're, they're commanding, they're leaders. They, both, they can all play out with the ball. Um, um, yeah, San Sanchez has been a good deputy, but he he's still young. He's he's not got the experience. He's he's, he's not as good as Toby, basically. And and it, it, we need to stop um, looking to the future and think, oh, we buy this twenty-one-year-old, he could be good in five years' time, or we buy this twenty-year-old, nurture him for a bit, and he'd be good in five years' time. We we want to win something now, and yep. to win something now, Spot we need on. the best. We need the best players, and Toby and Jan are two of the best three centre backs in the league. We sign them both up to long term deals. We keep them at the club for the next three years, and we're going to have one of the best defenses in the league. Yep. We keep Larice, who's one of the best goalkeepers. We've got one of the best goalkeepers in the league. Add add a fullback. I, I'd still consider Trippier as one of the best right backs in the league, and Danny Rose on his day is probably the best left back in the league mm. on his day. I know I know he hasn't been been up to that for the last like year or so, but we're giving showing him signs though, Ash, isn't he? Showing signs of coming back, Danny. Yeah, he is. Um and I think with a, a good run of games. I, I was happy with Davis last season. Happy. I wasn't I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't thinking, Oh, this guy's better than Danny Rose. You're just happy that he was doing a job. He was playing well. He didn't have many bad games, but he didn't have any games where you'd be like, Whoa, look look at him. Whereas Danny Rose, he does have those games. Um, so yeah, moving back to Toby, we, if we if we sign Toby up on a long term deal, it shows a statement to the rest of the players that look, we're here to win something now. We're ready to pay the best. We're ready to um, to compete and knock back any advances from Real Madrid, Barcelona, Man United for our players. Um, and it will also give the fans a boost as well. Like this, this has been going on for what a year or two now. And I think I said in a previous pod, like. Um, this has always been a thing with Toby. He's always had these little clauses in his contract. So you always think, oh, maybe is he holding out for something better? But he's at the time now where he needs to start winning things. So we sign him down to a long-term deal. Um, and yeah, hopefully that's the that's the sign we need for us to start winning things. Because when you've got the best players, you've got the best chance. Spot on. Spot on. That's, I think, Toby, I think you've kind of summed it up there, Ash. Let's talk about... We got about that incident, haven't we? After after half time, the second half, where Joe Rouse cynically took out Tottenham Hotspur attacker Lucas Moura right by the touchline. You know, I'm absolutely stunned. We're recording this show on a Monday night. I've just heard Cardiff are going to absolutely appeal this decision, and I'm absolutely stunned. And I'm bringing it round to you. Can you believe that? For me, it was just nearly a solid GBH, wasn't it? <laughs> it was absolutely disgusting. Honestly, I very rarely jump up in the stadium for uh, other than a goal if it's against the ref or anything just to stand up and be like you have to send someone off but I was on my toes literally screaming send them off send them off because I thought that looked absolutely disgusting live when I saw the replays I still thought that was a red card and the fact that they want to appeal it is it's, it just shows who card if I'm honest um no I, I thought it was straight red card it looked disgusting 
it was absolutely no point as well. Mora was right past him. You know, if he pulls his shirt, fine, mm. take a yellow card. But the way he did it, in the replay, you can see the player looks at Mora and he's like, I don't care where that ball is. I'm taking this human out. And he just went straight for it. And it was so malicious that, ugh, it's just... There's no one in the goal either, was he, Anna? It was pretty much exactly. in a central it position. Was so it was unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't almost like he was through one on one. It was still a lot of ground to make up. And therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm stunned out anyone can defend that decision. And bringing it over to you, John, um, Neil Warnock, you know, this guy, I just, I'm absolutely baffled. So he's on the touchline, screaming abuse at Harry Kane, you know, effing well done, apparently he, he mutters to him, calls him a twat. And. John, what game is he watching? What what game is he watching? In any right mind, I think that wasn't a sending off. Do you know what, mate? It's, it's anyone's guess, isn't it? The geezer's such a dinosaur. He, I don't think he really knows what what he's doing. I think maybe he thinks it's still like 1978 and you can get away with stuff like that. But the thing is, right, the, the thing that troubles me a little bit about Cardiff is, and for their fans as well, to be fair, a lot of them travelled and they did make a, they made a decent amount of noise on Saturday, to be fair to them. They're not even trying to play football. No. They're not even trying. And the thing is, they're, you know, like I said earlier, they, they're bringing up like like 10 men for a, for a throw-in that's like 20 yards up the touchline. And you think, if you're going to play like that and play so cynical and try and get so physical with players in the Premier League, they're just going to play it around you because, that you know, you're playing with a different class of opponent. And they're in for a long season. And I can't see that fella lasting it, to be honest with you. I think he'll be, uh, he'll be extinct before pretty much longer. Mm. Janet Ilias asked the question, John, is Neil Warnock an undercover goblin? Fuck, I don't know about undercover. <laughs> he, do you know what? He's so blatant about it as well, isn't he? That's the thing that makes me laugh. Like the, the thing is, it's never his fault. And as a manager, sometimes you have to take some form of accountability. And, you know, ultimately, Cardiff City are a team completely in his image. And he, he probably... That, that Joe Rule's probably got a, a pat on the back and a well done off of, off his manager on the weekend because that's the kind of that's the kind of nonsense that they're going to be serving up all season. I can't see it being the last red card they get, and I can't see it being the last one for such a cynical, pointless challenge against you know a player <clears throat> who, no disrespect to his players, they just can't live with you know even our a weakened Tottenham side, they just couldn't live with us. And I think it's going to continue to happen for them. Like I say, it's going to be a long season and hopefully the geezer will find himself out of a job soon because that's, that's all he deserves, really, isn't he? Let's be honest. I'm stunned. <coughs> stunned that they can defend it, John. I'm, I'm absolutely... <coughs> I don't know how they can appeal that. I'm really hoping what will happen is the appeal will get rejected and it'll get an even further extended ban for even having the cheek to try and appeal it. But the thing is, you can't even say that anything's got a little bit lost in translation with what he said. He's been... Like you could see that it got to the point where Mike Dean had to go over and was like talking to him for a minute or so, and you think, like, what have you seen there that the rest, of, like, that everyone else in this crowd has not mm -hmm. seen to to say that it's it's not a red card. It's, it can't be anything other than a straight red card. And uh, I will be, you know, I, 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 let's not even consider the fact that they might rescind it because I can't see how they're going. To. Oh well, I'll be because stunned. It, yeah. Well, the thing is, it sets a future precedent, Rick, doesn't it? Mm, That's the trouble. Exactly. Because if they if they rescind that, no matter how harsh Neil Warnock thinks it is, you know that then that just opens up the, the floodgates for other players who are shit, basically, who can't <laughs> play football. That their only way of competing with. Uh, superior footballers is to hack them down, and that's that's good. We don't want that to to creep back into the game. You know, we've mm. we've moved on a bit since the days of 
Vinnie Jones and Neil Rudder and people well, like that. We so. don't want to return to him, do we? Let's, no. No, let's be honest. Mm. I mean, even Neil Rudder after the game, when he talked about Harry Kane, he said, I don't think you should try and get other pros just sent off because he had a poor game. As well as we're having a poor game. He shouldn't take it out on us. I mean, he even made, actually, I've got to bring it around to you, a ridiculous reference that Tottenham Hotspur played with 20 men. 20 men! Didn't hold back in his post-match interview after about Spurs. I mean... What can you? What do you make of this, Ash? These comments from Warnock. I mean, it, almost like John says, the bloke's a dinosaur, isn't he? How can you even sit there and defend that kind of a challenge from one of your own players? First of all, I have no idea what he means by twenty men. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's doing Ash. I don't think anyone's have a clue. What, what, I don't even know what that means. I'm not even going to give that a, an answer. I have no idea what that means. Um, I, I do have a couple of points though on the challenge. Mm. Um, one, if I did that walking down the street and just absolutely took out someone, mm. uh, studied them <laughs> in their knees, I'd go to prison. So true, I, don't, yeah. I don't think he can defend that. And also, in, in the laws of the game, um, a red card is for a reckless challenge. Now, that was reckless. There was, no, there was no part of him which was in control of his body. He had jumped off the floor and wasn't going for the ball or anything. So... There's literally zero percent chance that that will get rescinded. So you just you've got to think about who the who the people are who sit above Warnock who think it's a good idea to oh, actually rescind. Like, Spot on. It, yeah, like it's it's an actual joke that that's even being considered. And quite rightly, if if the Premier League look at that and just think that, I think I think it has to be like a frivolous appeal or something. That's right. And, yeah. And that definitely is. That's just ridiculous. Mm. I mean, like you said there, there, Ash, there was absolutely no intent whatsoever to play the ball. If you see the way he's gone into that challenge, even in still motion, you can't tell me the player there has even believed or in his right mind he was going to ever get the ball. Because I've watched it several times and, yeah, I'm stunned how anyone could sit there and claim the player has made a genuine attempt to go for the ball over the player. I think he's just lost his head because, like you said there, John, their nature of play... They haven't, they're not coming to try and win the game. They, they really aren't. I, I'm absolutely stunned. But to be fair, they did make an attempt in the second half to try and get back into the game. But I think that challenge there is overriding frustration that Spurs are winning the game. And again, to have an attack on Harry, I've got to say, Woolnock, I mean, this bloke is an absolute joke. And I think, like I say, we've cleared that up as best as possible. But let's bring on to happier things. And Harry Winks, John, you mentioned him earlier. You know, this guy is now, he's starting to find his feet. And, you know, it's another game he's played. And I think we said it, John, the last show, that if this guy can find his consistency, you know, regular run of games, there's absolutely no reason why Johnny can't go on to be a top, top player for Tottenham. Oh, absolutely. He's got all the tools. I just hope that he's, uh, I know he's got an ongoing ankle problem, I think, where it's possibly going to be weak for the rest of his career. As long as he can manage that, then, yeah, hopefully... You know, last time we had one of our own go and take the number eight shirt, it was Ryan Mason and it ended, you know, it obviously ended terribly for, for Ryan. He ended up, well, first of all, he left the club and then obviously had that career-ending injury. And just hope that, that that shirt don't become as cursed as our number nine shirt obviously fucking <laughs> is at the minute. But I think the, the thing with Harry Winks is, it, like, you, you can always forgive a player for not being like, we're not expecting him to be Xavi really as much as no, the, the comparisons are made. But the fact is, you watch him play there and you go, I love the fact that he is playing how I would play. All right, he can get around the pitch a little bit quicker than I could. But you understand what I mean. He's just a about, John. Boy. Just about, well, yeah, you know, I'm not, as, I'm not as fleet of foot as I used to be. But, you yeah, know, listen, he's a, he's, a, he's a Tottenham boy. He, it means a lot to him to be putting that shirt on. And I think the fact that we've got 
him and we've got Walker Peters and we've got Kane, obviously, and a couple of others who feel the same way in amongst our group of players, it makes a big old difference for me. And you think that, you know, you've got other players as well that uh, that didn't come through the youth team, for example. You hear the way Jan Vertonghen talks about Tottenham and the way it gets into the, the, the DNA and the psyche of players the fact that they, that, you know, obviously they like playing for the club. They love the club because, let's be honest, we've got some players in our squad. Let's take Ericsson, for example. We must have had offers over the course of the last five years to go elsewhere and he hasn't gone. Mm-hmm. So you've got these players like that. And then you've got the players like Winks, whose natural love for the club just takes it onto another level. And we love him for it because you know he loves putting that shirt on and he's proud as punch every time he gets on the pitch with, with that cockerel on his chest. And... You know, we'll probably forgive him for mis- more mistakes than we would others because of that reason. But at the minute, you know what I mean? He's looking really, really good. And it wouldn't surprise me now if he if he keeps his place in the team because, you know, there'd be a nice little midfield combo there, I think, with him and uh, Dembele. They're two good ball players there. Can both get box to box and do a bit of everything. And, uh, you know, it'd be nice if he could get another goal against West Ham as well, wouldn't it? But oh, certainly. Time, that'd be nice. I would he, do. Mate, he's, a, he's a top player and I just hope he carries on as he is because he'll be there a long time if he does. Yeah. And uh, we'll love him like, like well, like we do Kane. We do. Yeah, I think, John, like you said, they're all about keeping him fit and the same you'd say for Danny as well. And let me bring it round to you and feel free to bring Winks into this conversation as well because Rose, for me, is finally getting back to his marauding best, Danny. We've waited a long time for it, but I think we said before, even like Winks, injuries, they can take up to, you would say, 18 months to recover. And obviously it's taken Danny a long time to get him back to the player that we loved during that kind of 15-16 season where he was brilliant from attacking perspective and also defensively wise he was so on point again the weekend he played well if we can keep the likes of Danny and Harry fit winks that is just how big could both of these players be the Tottenham season yeah so touching on winks I think we saw what he's capable of against Real Madrid last season that was absolutely outstanding and uh, and an injury is the worst thing that can happen to a player obviously physically and mentally as well because we ever really fully trust your body and uh and he, it was slow for him to come back, I must say. But I think the second half against Barca, he really perked up. And now he's, he's showing his true class again. And as John said, you know, he's obviously through and through Tottenham. So we'll always allow a bit more when it comes to him. But that's fine because, you know, he does actually put in 110% every single game. And if you can get the two Harrys to link up, then what's nicer than that, really? But yeah, so I think Wings can be vital and I'm really I really do hope if he manages his injury and he stays around, it'd be brilliant because he's always so forward thinking and I absolutely mm, love that about yeah, him. Yeah. It's just whenever he gets the ball, he'll just run forward or at least sideways. But at least still forward. No, he doesn't think sideways or backwards. He just <laughs> tries to go forward and no, it's it's amazing. And with pace as well, it's just so much determination. I absolutely love that about him. And then moving on to Danny Rose, I think we all love the fast Danny Rose that is and the one from a few seasons ago I think he that that Danny Rose is definitely the best left back in the country there's no doubt without that and um, yeah moving on the previous point which um, I think it was Ashley mentioned it about Davies that Davies is good and he's a steady player he's the perfect one who you know you know what you get with Davies that's with Rose on his best day, he's absolutely outstanding. But if he has a bad day, then he has a bad day. <laughs> You'll notice that as well. However, if Danny can be fit and fully in the team, then I'll be more than happy to cheer on because he is very, very vital. So, yeah, if we can keep both of them fit, and if we could, well, and not just them, actually, with all the injuries, we have a bit more of them. But if we can just manage them properly, then that would be a crucial part to our season. 
Must agree with that. And Ash, let's get your thoughts in on Winksy and Rose. Where are you on both of those players? Um, I feel like both of them are key to us moving forward. Um, Rose, like I said earlier, is is an all-round better player than Davis. So it'd be, it'd be good if we could get him back firing on all cylinders, getting back to what he was before. And Winks last season showed promise that he could be a, a real stalwart in the team and could perhaps um, replace Dembele when De- Dembele moves on in the summer. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm happy they're both fit. Um, I, I would I would start Winks in central midfield. I think he he likes to dictate the tempo of the game and he's he's one of our own as well. So that always helps. Um, so yeah, I'd. I'm happy with both of them. I want them both in the side because I, f- I feel like they're both good additions to the team. Okay, fair enough. I don't think you can disagree with that. But one guy at the moment that question is formal. I can't believe I'm saying this. Coming over to you, John, is Hummin Son. Now, Sonny's come out on Monday afternoon to say he, well, he's rejected suggestions that he's suffering from fatigue following concerns his physical condition is affecting his performances. Now, John, I think he's gone... I correct me if I'm wrong here, Johnny, if you know better than me, I think it's around 17 games now without a goal. He says, I know a lot of fans are concerned about me, but my physical condition is not that bad. John, where are you on Hummin Son? It's very very interesting because we've never seen him go this long without a goal. I think if I think the last game he scored in was uh, away at Bournemouth, the game when Harry Kane went off injured. That's right, yeah. Is, uh, yeah, he's quite a while ago. Was that March now? Mm. Yeah, it was yeah. March, yeah. yeah. So... You know, it's quite it's quite a long time, and you think, the thing is, you see him go through in the first half on Saturday. He's got a lovely chance there on his strong side, and he blazes it over the crossbar. And if he's in form, and he's uh he's, he's on fire, that goes in. I think Son's just one of these players. He's clearly in front. Of, he can still make a difference to games. Don't get me wrong, but I wasn't surprised when he was hooked. To be first, to be fair, I think he was first off on Saturday. I weren't surprised because it just weren't happening for him. But then, if you keep taking him off the pitch, when's it going to happen? That's, well, that's the trouble. The thing, isn't it? Yeah. I think the thing is with him, like we've had so many players over the years who have been the same. As soon as he finds a net for you know once, he'll, he'll he, he will kick on because he has done pretty much every season. I think he had that in his uh, first season. He, he, he got a decent amount of goals, and then twenty goals in his second season. So, listen, he's he's a top quality player. He just needs the ball to to go in off his ass, you know, like. <laughs> Cliche, but that's what he needs. That's that's all he needs, and then we'll see him return to be the player that we know he can be, and he has been before for Tottenham. Obviously, he has had a, a busy and stressful summer, and and past summer, obviously played at Newcastle and then went and uh, won won the, the gold medal for his country. So yeah, listen, he's he's had a busy old time as well, and he was at the World Cup, wasn't he? So we just got to be a bit patient with these players. Like I say, if they can if they're going to carry on being shit and still be two points <laughs> off the top of the league all season, then. You know, we'll, we'll take that, won't we? That's the thing. You know, we got can't be too harsh on the boy. He's had a lot to do, and yeah. I'm sure he'll he'll, uh, he'll get he'll be back on form and firing before we know it. Mm. I mean, that Asian games, John, as you said, there has taken like a lot out of him. So let's get round to just cover Sonny across the panel. Let's go back round to you there, and Hummin Son, as we mentioned, on a bit of a goal drought at the moment. Are you surprised, Anna, for you? Or is it a case where we've just mentioned there? You know, he's had a lot of games throughout the summer, as we know. He played a lot of games in. Oh God, a ridiculous amount of days. Is it now just going to take time for Sonny to get back to the form that we know it's going to be? And like John said, if he gets one goal, the rest will follow. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, I think that Bournemouth game is. I think that might have been the last time I was on the podcast. So I'm not sure. Okay. However, what, <laughs> it might have been. But even so, I think a lot of games. That's for sure. I mean, you can see it. That's maybe why we've got a 
so many injuries that loads of players was just obviously at the World Cup. That's quite tiring. And then he obviously went straight there to the Asian Games. So, yeah, he's got a goal drop. But to be honest, Son's, I don't know, he's always had this. He's had months when he was really, really good and then he'll yep, he'll score awesome. no matter what. And then he'll have months when he doesn't score and then he'll come back. So I still see him running around the pitch and causing trouble. And he still, And if he says that he feels he's fit enough, then I'll take his word for it because who are we to judge that? So I think there have been a lot of games behind them and he'll come back soon enough. I mean, you know, he'll he'll start scoring again. I, I don't doubt that at all. Do you back him, Ash, to come into form, Sonny? Yeah, he, he's always one for a goal. Um, look, he, he's probably in need of a rest too over this international break. I don't actually know if Korea have any games, but if they have any sense, then they'd give him a couple of weeks off as well. I think as far as I'm aware, I don't think he's been called up. Actually, I don't think there's any games for them. So he has got these couple of weeks now to recuperate ahead of West Ham. Well, yeah, you'd hope then Pochettino sees sense and doesn't just force him to go training every day. Give him a give him a week, well, eight, nine days off and then get him back when all the the other boys come back from the internationals and hopefully he'll be fresh and you know what, give him this is his little his little summer off. <laughs> give him it now and then he can go again because we're going to need him when the games come thick and fast over Christmas. I agree with that. Well, guys, we are going to have a quick half-term report, but before I do that, let me just take a couple more questions that have come in, um, conscious of time as well. So, John, I'm going to go back around to you. A question in here from Shrias Rayo, a regular listener to the show. Shrias, I hope you're well. Thank you for all the questions you send in to us. He says, John, is it encouraging that we're still so close to the top spot despite being well below our best? And when do you think we will hit form? And what needs to happen for us to hit form, John? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I see it as a massive positive, the fact that we're not playing well when we're picking up these wins. It's not even like we're not playing well and scraping like draws. We're, we're winning, you know, six out of eight is a, a really good return. And I think, like, as I said earlier on, I think maybe that that, um, that run of games where we're going to come into a busy period after this international break could, you know, might feel um, similar to how it does over the festive period. And that, you know, generally is when we do kick into form. So hopefully it will be that. And uh, as for what's going to do it, I mean, hopefully it will be. It'd be nice if it's uh, to to smash West Ham away, but you know, it could be, it could be we get a, we finally get a win in the Champions League or we turn Man City over at Wembley. So, you know, we've got big games coming up where where a positive result could have a, a monumental effect on on how the players feel going into the game after. So let's just hope the fact that we've got some big games, you know, and, we, and we've got a. Uh, more than good chance of winning these games, you know, means that we can we kick on with West Ham and then it, it carries on from there and and we snowball into the rest of the month and I think that that could be it, Shreyas. I've got a theory on this, Rick. Go on, I think I think that um, all this uh, poor performances, all these players out. I reckon we're just getting rid of it now, getting rid of it now. <laughs> and then come middle December, I think Burnley at home, new brand new spanking new stadium. We have all our players back fit. Everyone raring to go. And then we'll give them a team a proper hiding. Then we're going to batter in, Ash. Don't you reckon, yeah? Yep, that's what I reckon. There you go. Earn it in first. Ashley Watts, he's called it. Tottenham Hotspur 10, Burnley nil, Ash, yeah? Yep. Uh, yep, 10, 20. 20 30. nil. And Gio gets a clean sheet as well, Ash, yeah? Uh, yeah, Gazaniga clean sheet. <laughs> Gazaniga clean sheet. <laughs> <laughs> 
There you go. Just one more question before we move it on to the half-term report. I'm going to come around to you, Anna. This is from Jamie at Yoshi Swig. That's an interesting name. He says, do you think that some of our younger players who haven't had a first-team game yet, example the likes of Skip, should be given the chance while the likes of Ericsson, Yan, Dembele are out? I mentioned this earlier, Anna, but what do you think of that? Yeah, they can play against West Ham in the Carabao Cup. <laughs> but right now, I don't think I would want them to start in, in the Premier League mm. with the way we are. They can come on if we're leading comfortably and ease them in because obviously it's nice to, to be able to bring them on and, and include them and stuff. But if I saw them starting, I would be quite alarmed, I must say. OK, there you go. Well, guys, thank you so much. I hope you've enjoyed that part of the show. We're going to discuss now... We've got the half-term report. So Spurs at the moment, we're sitting there, as we said, 18 points, best ever Premier League return, despite not playing that well. Fifth in the league at the moment, cut the points off top. John, I'm going to come around back to you because our next five games, John, as you've mentioned in all competitions, God, we've got a real set of, you know, fixtures coming up where you'd argue we could probably get wins, but it's all going to be crunched into, John, a very busy period. We've got West Ham away to begin with. Then we've got PSV away in the Champions League. Then it's Man City at home. Then it's back to West Ham away in the League Cup. Then it's Wolves away. Now, John, this is obviously on a weekend I'm discussing to you where Man City and Liverpool have dropped points. What do you think, John, looking at that potential fixture list, what's a reasonable return, John, after the international break for you? I think I think we'd just be happy with... Um... You know, obviously, obviously some wins, but just some some better performances all round. I think that's why you'd say maybe it'd be harsh to to give anything other than an, an A maybe for our start to the season. But mm. I, I think if we're we're looking at like B B plus at the minute because we you know we dropped them silly points at, at Watford and yep. that that would have put us top if we hadn't done. Still without playing well, and you think the thing that frustrates me is you get this you know old media narrative of you know. If at, at the sign of a good team, not playing well but picking up points, and it's all right when it's other teams, fashionable teams who Sky Sports fa- favour, but it's not. When, it's not when it's us. Let's be honest. And I think it's not just us, by the way. You know, Sky were all over Pep Guardiola's um, superb tactical display at Anfield on the weekend. But when Man United went there and shut up shop and didn't give Liverpool a sniff, it was boring negative t- tactics from Mourinho. So you can never win. I'm not saying. I'm not trying to pretend that we're the victim here because we're not but listen I think it would you know obviously we need to we need to win the games against PSV Eindhoven and it's not even like it'd be nice to win we ne- we no, have, have got to. to win them games yeah, yeah, we've got to win them games because it'd be it'd be so Spurs wouldn't it for our first game at the new stadium to be a fucking Europa League game <laughs> but then oh, but Don, don't jinx us come on <laughs> the thing is though Rick let's be honest I think if you consider the fact that we were in White Hart Lane for 62 years before mm. we played a European game, and that was against Gornick's Abrazi that no one's ever heard of since <laughs> 1961. And we still celebrate the fact that we beat a mate one at White Hart Lane in the return leg. Yeah. And you think that's the first ever European game, and it goes down into into folklore. No, it don't matter what the what the competition was, who the opponent was. It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter really. I'm just I'm just joshing about that. It's just the fact that the club put out them signs, didn't they? That we see them all around the all around the underground over the summer. The only place to watch Champions League football in London. But oh, there dear. you go. That's gone well, isn't no, it? We, listen, we need to win the PSV games. We've got to. I, I would say, considering the record you read out earlier against newly promoted sides, 38 yep. games, three draws, 35 wins, can't be losing at Wolves. We've got to take something off Man City. 
We need a win at West Ham. I think if it's a, I know I'm demanding. A none lot of them easy now, games though, John, are they? On, none of them are actually. You'd say, oh, they're home bank. They, you know, they're, we're gonna, you can guarantee a win there. They're not easy games. I, th- I think the thing is so far this Rick, this season, Rick, you've not. Been, I've not gone into any game going apart from Saturday maybe, and I expected it to be more than one. I've not gone yeah. into any game thinking we're definitely going to win today. Mm. There's always been an air of nervousness about the place. Yeah, you know, considering we started with a. We shanked a victory really at Newcastle on the opening day, and it's only got better in fits and starts since then. There's, there's, there's not been a. We haven't had a particularly comfortable afternoon, have we? Watching Tottenham at all this season, it's always been a bit skiddy pants. Every single match, there's been periods in games where we're we've lost control and we look like we might lose or whatever. But like you know, we need we. It's, it's, they got to try and find a way of turning it on now. Hopefully, these injured players come back and and we do kick on in October because. If we manage to stay up there and maintain our position going into November and then December, then things do really start to look good for us, don't they, for this season? They do. Spot on. Um, let me bring it around to you, Anna, because we mentioned there, John, touched upon the injury list. Now, from what we understand, so Danny Rose suffered a groin problem during the run against Cardiff. Now, as we understand, Danny is going to be assessed in the coming days with the England camp where a decision will be made if he can stay with them or will come back home. So, at the moment, Rose does join our injury list of... Vertonghen, Deli Alli, Moussa Dembele, Christian Eriksen and Serge Aurier. Quite concerning also that there's been some news breaking on the Monday night here that obviously Eriksen's particular injury, we must emphasise, obviously he's been quoted obviously in, in, Danish, in Danish context, that it could be a chronic injury eventually, you know, if the issue doesn't get looked into, which is a big, big worry for Christian Eriksen. What do you think of the whole situation? Because Ericsson's absolutely pivotal, as you've said, Adam, to this Tottenham side. You mentioned there when you went and saw them last year against Southampton away. And I remember that game because we created next to nothing. And Ericsson is so key to this Tottenham team. These injuries, isn't it just crucial that we try and get some of these guys back for after the international break? Oh, it, oh, it's absolutely vital that we get them back. Mm. I think we really, really need to get them back. And if it is something chronic, like, look how long it took us to, to act on... Lamella's injury. He went out to Rome. Well, even Rose and then as well. He came back. Rose as well. And Rose. Yeah. yeah. Well, so there we go. It's like, like a little pattern's forming here. Like, why does it take us so long to act on injuries? Like, okay, let's assess them. If they need a surgery, yeah, sure. It's not the best thing in the world, but if it helps them get them back a little bit stronger, or at least, you know, it, it might give the players a peace of mind that they know something's happening. Um, as for Rose, look, if. If there's a little doubt, I'd rather he didn't try or didn't play with England and he'd come home and rest and then train with us maybe. We've got better facilities. I mean, England will probably train our facilities once or twice anyway. But uh, the point is that if there's any doubt, then I don't think he should be training. And more to the fact that, yeah, we, we need to get our players back. We, we need to rest the ones who are currently playing because otherwise they might get injured, uh, have cramps or whatnot, as we've seen with some other players and we need to think about getting a replacement maybe in January even God knows if that's going to happen but uh, but if our playmaker is out for too long then um, I don't know it's, it's concerning I mean we created a lot of chances on Saturday which is assuring reassuring but we didn't really finish them yeah. however it, it there, there just seems to be a case when we don't have Ericsson we don't create chances uh, and it takes an individual brilliance from someone which is sometimes Deli Ali, who by the way is also out injured so Having both Delhi and Ericsson out is not good. We need at least one of them back. So, yeah, I think the international break is a perfect opportunity to get players back. And we really do need to, them to come back because we've touched on this a lot of times um, previously that the games are going to come 
thick and fast. So um, so we need to have as many players back as possible. Agree with that. Well, just on Ericsson again, just to kind of reiterate the point. So the Danish boss said the injury could be chronic if he's not left to heal thoroughly. And therefore, Ash coming round to you, with the words there, which I think kind of been translated by Alistair Gold, a top Spurs correspondent on Twitter. Yeah, I think you have to go and follow Alistair. He knows anything about Tottenham. With that being the case, Ash, you know, we can't there for a fall to rush Ericsson Cammy with his injury because, as mentioned, if we don't allow him to heal properly, then it could become chronic. Could. We have to emphasize the word could. Not that it will be. Could. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. If, if any player's at risk of a, a long-term injury or an injury that will just keep reoccurring, then no, we, we can't play them. How, however badly we need them, we've, we've got a squad. We've bought a squad of players. Um, and the reason Pochettino's bought a squad of players is because he anticipates having to use them. Um, and the, I know Ericsson, we like to think Ericsson's irreplaceable, but we do have players who can play in his position, like Lamella, um, like Deli Alley, who, who can come in and, and provide that impetus we need. So, no... It, <laughs> If, if we were talking about Harry Kane and uh, we where we don't have perhaps the able backup that we would necessarily need to compete, then I don't know how you, how you would go about that. But with Ericsson, we, we do have cover in the attacking midfield department. So, yeah, rest him up, um, give him the, the time off he needs and then make sure that when he comes back, he's firing all cylinders again. OK, there you go. And, John, finally on... Over to you about Ericsson. Do you want to have your say? Because this is obviously a bit of a concerning time for us as Spurs fans. We all know the importance of what Ericsson brings to this Tottenham team. And therefore, the concern that he could be out for a sustained period, John. And also, if we don't allow him to rest, the implications that could have on us. We can't really afford that, John, can we? I think the worry, <clears throat> as far as Ericsson goes, is the fact that this is probably the first time that we're in this situation with him. And if you think he's been there since, what, 2013, that's quite ridiculous, really. I think <clears throat> I said prior to the start of this season he'd, he'd missed four games through injury, which is quite you know like I say it's quite ridiculous if you think in this you know the modern game and the way the way that uh, the speed it's played out and the fact that he runs he tends to run more per game than any other player and he's a talismanic figure for the Danish national team as well I think there's a you know he's obviously uh, been lucky with injuries and maybe you know he's he, maybe he's like starting to run out a little bit but. Listen, I'm not getting I'm not getting um, worried about it. I can't see that Vertonghen's going to be out for six weeks either. I just I don't know what well, it is. Right, I just, John. <laughs> I just, do you know I, the thing is? I just because Pochettino always keeps his cards clo so close to his chest when talking about injuries. I, I don't I, I don't worry about it purely because I, you get that sort of air of authority. Like the, like the fella knows what he's doing. He's in charge. He knows what he's doing, and it's nothing to worry about. These mm -hmm. players will be back when they're back, and ultimately, what can we do? You know what I mean? You can't rush a player back, and mm. if he ain't fit, he can't play. And we have, you know, the one thing these results have proved, beyond any reasonable doubt, is all right. The squad isn't as full of um, star players as we'd like. You know, I'm not going to sit here and say I didn't want us to sign players during the summer. Obviously, I did. But the players that we already had there have come in, and all of them have contributed to this run that we've been on. And all of them, you know, can take can take some satisfaction out of the fact that they've all played a part, and we're two points off the top. So. If Ericsson does miss another one or two, he misses another one or two. But he'll, he'll be back before we know it. And uh, 
you know, he's, he's such a good player. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. But if it's not, then it's not. You know, we've just got to get on with it. Mm, fingers crossed. And John, you mentioned there, just on the fact Spurs now do keep their cards close to their chest about injuries. I think even more so, John, don't they now? Because on the back of Danny Rose and Eric Lamella's misprognosis, you'd say last season, of how the club estimated for them to be back quicker than what they originally ended up becoming. I think they've had no choice, John, but now to be very, very careful about how they word their certain statements when it comes to players being out injured and how long their recovery is going to take. I think the thing is, Rick, we all feel like we have the right to know, mm. <laughs> which is which is you know which is probably fair enough, I, I would say, on, on a certain level. But if I go to the doctor personally, I come out and you say, "Oh, what's the problem? How long are you going to be out for?" I, I might not want to tell you. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, of course, yeah. So we might be at a point where the players themselves don't want people to know. It might not just be Pochettino saying, I'm, I'm not going to say too much. It might be the players saying, you know, I, I don't want people to know, so don't say nothing, Gaffer. You don't know, do you? And if you say personal, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Ericsson might have ruptured a bollock for all we know. We don't, it's in the dump. <laughs> oh, dear, John. That's what it is, then, do you think? Oh, no, is it why? Yeah, no, no. Well... <laughs> John Mann is on, on, on fine form as ever. Honestly, leaving us with, with that kind of words. I'm, glad, I'm pleased to say we have got John for the next couple of weeks as well regularly. So don't worry, guys. He'll be back. We haven't missed him too much. We loved your job tonight. Fantastic. Thank you ever so much. No worries, mate. It's all about leaving it on a high. Or leaving it on a low, depending on how you view that situation. Mate, if, if, a, if a ruptured bollock is leaving it on a high, <laughs> fuck me. I won't want to leave it on a low point. Jesus. <laughs> Oh dear. Just before we do wrap up, let's get Anna and Ash's points of view in terms of the half-term report. Give us a verdict, come around to you, Anna. Where, what would you judge so far the season? I think it's a mix. Um, given the fact that we're not playing at home, we obviously anticipated that we'd be in our new stadium much earlier, but we're not. We're obviously playing at Wembley again, and obviously a lot of other away games, and some of our home games are now in MK Dons. So if you factor that all together, and obviously our, our form's not the best, yet our league position isn't too bad, uh, and points as well. We've obviously got injuries and whatnot. I think overall there are a lot of positives to take away from it, and there's definitely a lot of room for improvement. As long as we don't pick up any more injuries, and we've managed to get some players back now after the in have then uh, I think it's quite positive. I think I think there are a lot of good signs and good things can still come for, to our way. OK. And if I'm going to push you, Anna, to be really kind of strict on like a judgment, I think John said a B-plus earlier. What would you give it? Yeah, I think that's I think that's a reasonable. Um, it's definitely not an A. OK. But I, th- I think a B-plus is perfectly reasonable. Fine, OK. Ash, to avoid any kind of science equations here and get into algebra... Give us your verdict, Ash. Where would you judge the season so far? We're eight games in. Best Premier League points return. We have got players missing from the squad. Hasn't been the greatest football on show so far. I think that's fair to be said. Where are you at, Ash, in terms of a verdict? I think we're probably where we're supposed to be. I mean, looking at the fixtures, I didn't expect us to beat United away, but then I did expect us to beat Watford away. Um... I didn't expect to win against Liverpool, maybe a draw, but all the other games that we've played, we were we were the more fancy team. We should have won. We should be winning those games. So I'd say our points return is probably how it should be, um, and we haven't been playing that well. So 
to to have that points return is good. Um, I'm just hoping that we can get all our players back after the international break, and then we can start playing a bit better football. I mean, if if it if we uh, play against Man City and and play rubbish but still win, then I'm not going to oh, complain. Take that. Yeah, you take that for sure. Oh, Ash, come yeah. on! I push you for a verdict. What are you going to go for? Give me a verdict. Out of oh, ten, or give us a give us a, a, a you know an alphabetic score if you want. Um, I'll give us an eight out of ten, um, just because of the results. Okay, I've got. Good, I think I would also say eight out of ten so far. Hasn't been, I say, hasn't been the greatest in terms of football, but points wise, I think I say we're not too bad at all. We're still in touching distance of the top. Ash, thank you ever so much for going back on the show. We've loved having you. I hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. Pleasure. Well, sure have you back on the show soon. And uh, thank you as always for going back on the show. We've loved having you. And again, I promise you, we'll try and get you back on. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Oh, bless you. No problem at all. And John, thanks for the comedy as always. You know we love you on here, John. Well, I can't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not one for tactical analysis and all that kind of game. I, can't, I couldn't be on match of the day. Oh, I don't, John. I'd, I'd have you on there. <laughs> definitely, have a, definitely have that Loro fella from years ago. Most certainly. Oh, Jesus. I reckon I'll have some fun with Ian Wright, though. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, mate, as always. No problem at all. Always a pleasure, mate, always. Lovely, you're a star. John's back with us in the next couple of weeks as well after the international break. Well, guys, have no fear. We're still going to be talking all things Tottenham. We are live on Love Sport Radio this evening, so look ahead for that. And as always, enjoy the show and come on, you Spurs! Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.